Thank you very much, sir. And a gracious good day to you, my friends. Here we are again. Fuse box number nine. This one spirals. And <laughs> the hits just keep on coming, don't they? Like a jukebox from hell, man. <laughs> well, you ought to know. Love me that hell noise. I'll tell you. It's, uh, it just keeps getting more funner and more funner over here lately. Uh, for those who were who listened to the last program, you remember I relayed the um, experience I had with a little water problem in the crawl space under the house there where the water main burst and took out the furnace and the sloshy bits and it was just, yeah, it was a mess. But those adventures still continue as we're still trying to bring all the pieces together and get all the right people to say all the right things and all that kind of good stuff. So it's just going on. It just keeps going on. So Mike Booty from The Midnight Citizen a few days ago told us a story about his uh, car that uh, evidently sported some pretty nice rims, ones that he was sort of indifferent about, but but there they were. And uh, he often thought about selling them and that kind of thing. And he apparently was uh, working one day uh, and he came back out, climb into the car and go away from there, only to discover that the rims apparently had left before he got there. Someone had removed them. And I thought, you know, this is just... This is just what we get right now. I I don't know what this energy is. I'm beginning to think the universe is run by a snotty four-year-old brat. No, you can't have that. It's mine. I get to have everything. See? That's what... What do you do? But that's just me. But I found that interesting because everyone that I've talked to lately, uh, whether they're in this industry or another, is experiencing some kind of sacrifice in addition to all of this other doo-doo that's going on. Definitely a period of transition, I'm telling you. This this first few months have been like going 10 rounds. The reason I bring all this up is that in addition to the water carnival that I've been enduring over the last several days, I, uh, I found myself in need to uh, part with an instrument that I've had for nearly 40 years became necessary because of the rather tightening financial situation that many of us find ourselves in right now. And uh, this one was a little hard to swallow because, well, maybe the historical significance is more important to me than it was the guy that bought it. The thing about it is, it was particularly significant because I first acquired this instrument in 1977. And uh, it was a Guild 12-string built in the Rhode Island factory, which at that time, 1977, that was still right on the cusp of when they were still making them by hand with maybe some minor manufacturing on a machine kind of thingy going on. But this one was clearly lovingly put together. Well, for those who don't know this instrument, it's a it's a 12-string. It's a very large-bodied 12-string. It's a very heavy instrument and had a carved back and all that. It was very, very nice. And it was loud. It was a very loud instrument, and uh, the bass frequencies were very pronounced, and the mid-range was very, you know, tight and everything. So it's it's what we like, you know, if you're a guitarist, you, those are the kinds of things you like on an acoustic instrument. So 
So one of the first things I did is I started experimenting with, with certain modal tunings, which means that you're tuning the instrument in a peculiar way, and therefore you get very odd chord voicings and stuff. And on, on a slide, a bottleneck slide technique, it's kind of critical. You do need those, those kind of alternate tunings. As I was uh, exploring that, I, I stumbled across this motif and working that a little more. And what emerged was a suite for 12-string slide guitar and big band. And as I got more and more into it, I realized, well, wait a minute, there's a storyline here. There's something happening more than just this music. There's like characters are emerging and situations are coming up. And okay, what's, let's see what, what this really is. So my writing partner and I, Gerald McQuen, we sat down and tried to unpack this thing and try to figure out what it was. Well, what it was ended up being a, a series of characters that we later turned into a syndicated radio program on public radio called Dry Smoke and Whispers Radio Theater. Check it out, drysmoke.com. And all of the original theme music, all of the original ideas, all the harmonic framework, everything came out of this box. And yeah, that's a personal history kind of thingy, but it still doesn't take the sting out of having to sell it to a guy like this. You gotta get you off of jail. <laughs> yeah, I got guitars. I sell them all the time. You come out the back of the trunk there. You know what I'm talking about? That's right. This uh, creature kind of came up out of what you might think of as Middle Earth's rather horrible orc part. Ah, uh, strange. Very strange guy. Didn't impress me as an actual salesman because I asked him that if he was just, you know, flipping these things. He said no, he was a collector, and he uh, promptly took me out to the back of his car there where he had three other instruments of sordid varieties. And uh, it was clear the guy was must have been doing okay, drove up in a really expensive Jaguar, even though we know that is a English Camaro, and uh, you know proceeded to pay cash for everything. And so it was like, well, okay, this is not how I want this to go. But it had to go. And I have a few other friends who have done the same thing in this last patch. They've had to sell some things that were very meaningful to them in their life. And I don't know exactly why we're doing this. But other than the financial reality of things, it's kind of unpleasant and stinky, I think. That's just my gut. If I'm going to be totally honest about this, it, it wasn't an instrument I played a lot now. I mean, I've, I have others that, you know, replaced. As a matter of fact, people joke a hell of a lot about the fact that I seem to be buried in guitars in this place. And well, it's true. Any guitarist who's listening to this knows, yeah, because every single one has a different character. They bring it to a different thing to it and whatever. And in the work that I do, I need different things at different times. So that's that makes sense. That's my justification for it. But anyway, the long and the short was, this was not an instrument that I was using, you know, every day. Uh, it's just that the historic significance of it stung. And, uh, you know, it's just one of those things we have to... We have to go through, I guess, and, and uh, as uh, my, my buddy Jeff says, well, you know, <laughs> these are those adult decisions that we get to make. So that was one of those, and um, it's just that kind of season, folks. And as we're uh, talking about other folks on this intrepid network here, Eddie Murray made a statement about something the other day that I found wonderful. He was talking about the sensation one gets when they are mentioned on another host's program. <laughs> and I, 
I couldn't help but laugh out loud because all of us feel that way. And it's a great feeling when somebody says, you know, that guy did that thing on that show. I love that guy. Well, it really does put another log on the fire, I guess, or, you know, sort of validate in some way what, what we're all doing here. And, uh, and I think it's wonderful. And, I, and what I really do like is the fact that everybody here, whenever they do that, there is a real reason for it. It's not lip service. It's not just like, yeah, well, we got to talk about this guy because, you know, he's this guy. Well, no, it's, there's a genuine purpose for it. Oftentimes, you know, it'd been recommendations like that where I was inclined to check out another show that maybe I hadn't listened to before because somebody said, you know, this thing is pretty. And so, Eddie, here it is again. We're mentioning you. Here. Me and this guy. Say it. Check out Cloud Base 44 right here on the Overnight Scape Underground. Thank you. It's just one of those uh, kind of warm fuzzies you get when uh, somebody says something nice about you. Naturalist Dr. Ted takes his class on an exhilarating tour of a bat cave. This is the exciting part. I love this. These large and scary-looking bats are fruit bats. Unlike the vampire bats of lore, which are actually tiny, the fruit bats grow quite large and have extremely sharp teeth and claws. There could be up to a million of these bats right in this area. But humans need not fear them, as they would only go into a frenzy if they were to smell fruit in the cave. What on, what on earth was that? Uh, apple? Oh my god. Oh, oh no. Oh, no. No, please. <laughs> This edition of Fusebox is called Spirals. And uh, no, I'm not really talking about going down the drain, although sometimes it does feel that way, doesn't it, folks? No, this really relates to uh, the vast majority of uh, this edition's content. A program on here called Nirvana and Gehenna. This was a show that we created for a radio invitational in Lisbon, Portugal. Every year, Radio Zero does this uh, invitational to uh, audio producers all over the world, asks them to produce something that might be theme-related. You know, they might give you an idea, like we we want stuff that addresses this particular topic. I can't really remember that uh, back then what the topic was, but uh, it was two. Th- uh, see, that was 2010. I think we did this. But uh, it was a really fun thing to do, and we had very little time to do it. I was told about this from John Barber, who is the uh, Dean of uh, Digital Media Studies at Washington State University. And he said, you know, this sounds like something that'd be cool for you guys to do. Why don't you see if you can do it? I said, sounds great. When is it? Two weeks. So we had uh, kind of limited time to put it all together, but I think because of that, and there were so many people that, that helped and pitched in here, that we, uh, we managed to, to pull this thing off. It was kind of an interesting idea. I remember talking with, uh, with John and uh, Sam Mowry about a concept that would link the Hindenburg disaster that had been a, an event that was, you know, pretty significant in our time. What if that event, that horrible tragedy, what if it had resonated so much that it was actually being played out in another dimension at exactly the same time? 
that was kind of our leaping off point, and we then turned it into a sort of uh, <laughs> NPR program from another dimension. But it got to be very fun because the other premise we overlaid on that was that, well, what if they can see us? And uh, I think it turned into a kind of an interesting show. This thing runs about 45 minutes, friends. So uh, I would say, uh, you know, sit back and <laughs> imbibe whatever because there's plenty of ear food in this one. There are a host of people to thank for this. I hope you will find this interesting. Again, it's called Nirvana and Gehenna. Welcome to the Quaymet Broadcasting System, the Quintocracy's Imperial Communications Sphere Apollon, operating at an assigned vibrality of 57.9 pentajulicates. And now, Transdimensional Media presents a quarter moon entertainment. Subject, Earth, also known as Terra, and Quaymet, capital of the Quintocracy. Correlation of similar events in parallel dimensions. The air disasters of the Hindenburg of Earth and the Vossenbinder of Quaymet. The ship is riding majestically toward us like some great feather. Riding as though it was mighty, mighty proud of the place it's playing in the world's aviation. And here it comes, the majestic Fassenbinder, a classic anti-grav dirigible steeped in the history of our visiting dignitaries. It's a beautiful clear twilight. The orbital auroras backlighting the Fassenbinder as it descends. The crowd seems very receptive. One can only hope interplanetary tensions after the Igel-Marininoff Solarium Wars will be mitigated by this unprecedented visit of Marinian royalty. Mooring ships are heading in now. Secure the great ship. Secure the ship to its rocking. Faith now. There's been an explosion. I thought I saw a rocket. So something went into one of the four anti-grav fans. The other fans are failing. It's going down into the bay. I see. Bodies falling! Great faith! The turbines are upside down! They're, they're pulling the wreckage underwater! It, it's sinking! They, they can't get to it in time! There's nothing we can do! Central? I can't stay on! I was in that crowd. My sister was on that ship. (laughs) 
I can see from your reaction they did not tell you this before the interview. I'm sorry, I had no idea. No, Would no, like it's all right. Yeah. I'll go on. Ratings, my dear. Remember that. I have no explanation for these events. Only a rationalization that won't bring back those who are gone. But if we understand, truly understand ourselves and all around us, maybe we can alter this over time. Maybe we're meant to. At least, I hope so. Honorable Mahudin Anna Narova of the Institute for Cultural Understanding, HSB Quaymed. Tonight, she and two others, Grendon Thales, Galaxy Famous Dramatist, and Professor Thedgar Redlington of the Quintocratic University of West Withenham, will give their views of astounding new discoveries. I'm Katara Collins, and it is my pleasure to host tonight's Transdimensional Media Presentation. Nirvana and Gehenna, life in alternate dimensions. Tonight, we take you to two other worlds, uncounted giga light years above and below us, yet tied to us. Sister worlds in a universal family. Here's something you've forgotten. The universe is a helix, an infinite vortex of dimensionality. This was the opening of our trans-dimensional series, The Golden Age of Farwan, recreating events on a world discovered five spirals above us, called Aradam. Sublimely advanced, yet now in peril. And three spirals below us, the strange planet of Terra, or Earth, rising from a misted past, like an autistic child struggling to understand itself and its place in a temporarily forgotten universe. What we have discovered is that the universe is like a DNA strand. New technology now allows us to listen in on those dimensions below and above us, it's really quite amazing. Let's go to Grandin Thales, thespian and colleague. Well, as an actor, drama is my bread and butter. But I'd gladly see less of it in the real world, if you know what I mean. The world of Farwan gives me hope. I think it's so good for our children to have an example of what life can be like. Beyond commerce and endless wars over natural resources and interplanetary shipping lanes. Oh, thank you very much, Ray. Do you want anything? Okay, we're good. Thanks. I feel privileged to have been a part of bringing this to the public. Well, there's no denying that it's a complex culture that has had its deep-rooted struggles as well, as have we all. From the QBS presentation, The Golden Age of Farwan, narrated by Grendon Thales. Out of the mists of legend, 
the conquerors of the dawning time leave a dark imprint. becomes a disturbing modern form of expanding imperialism. The city became all, and all lived for the city. And we found this DNA encoding of light and dark, potential good and evil, are merely mirror images of the universe that called us into being. But as above, so below. Transdimensional Archive Records. Subject, Terra. As long as it remains within my power to prevent, there will be no blackout of peace in the United States. Navy wing cameras show the type of action that has carried task forces deep into Japan's secondary defenses at Palau, 500 miles from the Philippines. Our fighter planes take care of straggling Nazis. Parts to make up 100 B-2s were brought from Germany and proving ground officers are carrying on experiments involving war and peace uses. But the future use of rocket power knows no limits. An atomic bomb breaks loose from a mounting shackle in a B-47 jet over Florence, South Carolina, plummets to earth, causing a sensational freak accident. There was near disaster for those within range of the TNT, that is the bomb's trigger. Six were injured. The home of Walter Gregg was turned into a shambles. But despite the havoc, authorities emphasized the explosion was not a nuclear blast. The bomb was not a symbol for firing, standard procedure during transportation. Spring at home, but unmindful of clock or calendar, the Vietnam struggle goes on. A Viet Cong ambush of a U.S. Marine Rough Rider truck convoy kills one American leatherneck, wounding four others. The group says it has new evidence suggesting that explosives, not planes, alone brought down the two World Trade Center towers and a third 47-story skyscraper on that fateful day, September 2001. What you have just experienced are weapons of war from the sister world below us, Earth. In an unprecedented 2,000 years, this planet went from crudely forged swords to nuclear fission. With their lifespans cut to one-tenth their original span of 600 to 800 years, also due to an act of war they have now forgotten, it seems that the people of Earth have concentrated their brief lifetimes with a ferocity of spirit that now threatens them with extinction yet again. And how is that different from our own galaxy? We've expanded to the stars. Now it's planetarism instead of nationalism. Leagues of solar systems against other leagues of solar systems. We may live longer, but wisdom? 
Yeah, still working on it. From the Dry Smoke and Whispers Halodio Archives. Topical moments from this popular QBS entertainment series. It was the strangest of summers. The heat bristled off Quaymed like some kind of ironic divine retribution for the so far covert wars caused by the new power source, Solarium. In the beginning, there was fire. Now, there's Solarium. The hardest life force of worlds without count, flooding the cities of an entire galaxy. Solarium, making modern life possible. Another impossible dream made true by OmniMind Galactic. This is the Freedom's Cry Holodio Network. Two weeks ago, we interrupted a Grant Industries info pod full of pre-recorded propaganda to bring you a live broadcast from the Solarium mining sites. We repeat it now. The report after the static is what's really happening on the outer province world of Kambudana. This is Mayana Gitan of the Freedom's Cry Radio Network. What you hear behind me is the true sound of Anquanat and Kambudana. We're being hunted down by security guards inside the mining compound run by Grant Industries. I repeat, Grant Industries. They are coming. We cannot stay. Song, what is it? Down below us was the most amazing machine we had ever seen. It was a sphere almost a mile in diameter sunk into a vast tiered pit. Hundreds of arcing walkways came out from ringed balconies in a gridded globe made of copper, pewter, and brass. And inside that globe, an orrery, system within system, rings within rings, metal representations of all the solar systems of the inhabited part of the galaxy were in clockwork motion. Then it stopped. Lights like stars pulsing started to wink in random rippling patterns and so small they could hardly be seen. Hundreds of people began to emerge out of brass iris doorways from the globes that represented planets.
suits, men in work gear, men in street clothes, men dressed as beggars, men in aristocratic finery, all filing down the catwalks in military order like ants coming out of a giant anthill. So that's how they're controlling it all. Name of the faith, this, this is a transport device. Every one of those planets is a transport orb. Instantaneous travel to anywhere in the galaxy. And the people filing out of the conjunction are coming back from missions from worlds spanning the quintocracy. Faith the influence they must have, the destinies they must be directing. And so many of the evil things that have been happening lately, uh, solarium, the wars, the oppression, can be traced right back to here, to this aristocracy of the occult, the sons of the assigned. It was now late afternoon, the entrance to the Anquanat Solarium mine looked something like the cowled head of the Kaambudan Serpent of the Fang. Here was mined the element that was now powering most of the quintocracy, but with great power. Always comes great danger. Millennium in that water. I mean, it's a chain reaction. Entire thing is just gonna blow. Name of the faith, I told them this was going to happen. And to hell with protocol. Unauthorized opening of worker containment area. Frack the containment area. Workers, the gates are open. Run as far as you can, as fast as you can. Damn it, run! How many workers got out of the mine? Oh, less than half. Two work crews, uh, uh, 80 or more, were on the other side of the chamber. Oh, look at that. There's no... Oh, we're too close. I don't think we're going to make it. Not even out of here. Mother of creation. What have we done? Even now, that a cabal of even the admittedly super-wealthiest could invent and build their own covert transport device. The very scale of both that and the ecological disaster on Keambudana. My heart goes out to all those who lost so many and the decades it's going to take to heal their world. I, I think it... 
I think it shows you can never be too vigilant. All any of us want is our own little comfortable world. But while we sleep, I guess there's always someone else out there planning the shape of our future for us. Perhaps it's time to rebalance the equation. Even on Earth, they now say, make art, not war. Yes, exactly. Yes, I am. No, I am not disagreeing. I, I like to think of it as uh, symphonic electro-impressionism, with a heavy industrialized, tube-enhanced, resonant glow-particle articulation. From PR News in Washington, I'm close to being brought under control. The past is bleak since four. In South Dakota, firefighters say prices on the Tokyo Stock Exchange called symptomatic of reluctance to join in global Africanism gained one point. They're ready to explain that claim of information situation investigation. The White House says this is PR News. PR News, Washington. Defense Secretary Robert Gates has canceled South America for eight days after state lawmakers failed to break Pennsylvania. Congressional Democrats are set to resume PR News in Washington. And now a special event. We go live to the inventor of the trans-dimensional quantum frequency oscillator, the device that has made all of this possible. Professor Thedgar Redlington. Are you there? Uh, now, you see, if you squeeze right here, see what happens to the eyes? Yeah, that's a fun... Yeah, I know, but don't pull those, because if you get... Then the whole thing comes off. See, there's a spring in there. See that? Yeah, now, don't squeeze it, because it'll stink. Okay? So don't do... Hey, wait a minute. Huh? What? Uh, hey, oh, no, no. Pipe, pipe down. I gotta hear this. Uh, Katie, is that you? Uh, Red? Uh, Professor Redlington, rather. I trust all is well on your own personally owned planetoid. Could have been ours, Katie. Oh, oh, oh no, no, no. No, no, don't pull on those, because see, it'll go and then it'll puff and stink. So don't, yeah, don't do that. Oh, my God. Kids, you know, you can't give them away and you can't lock them in the celery cellar. I, uh, Red, how did you invent the transdimensional quantum frequency oscillator? Oh, just call it the QFO for short. Ham sandwiches. Your, uh, your signal may be breaking up. No, 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 honestly, I couldn't get sassafras effects one day. Biggest blues and big band feed in the galaxy. I went to make ham sandwiches for the kids, and the auto rotor sliced the ham so there were great big holes in the middle. <laughs> well, the kids loved it, but that was it. I can um, usually follow you, Red. Plain as mustard on rye. I recalibrated the galaxy feed to reamplitude the multiplicity coil on the spiral dispersal turbinostat. So I'd get nine times the reception. Of course you did, which is illegal, by the way. It is. Somebody on the south polar band of Kayambudana got no big band that day. Oh, yeah. Like they let those poor souls listen to sass effects in the solarium mines. But, but I didn't think of that. Well, anyway, don't haul me off to the hooskow. It didn't work. Red, we are live. Oh, 
You didn't get boosted FX reception. No, no, I got some howling typhoon over some place called uh, Dayarwane. It was one huge city covering an entire continent, all white, and the whole thing was ringing like the left end of a hornet's nest in an industrial tumble dryer because the wind was making the towers vibrate out of phase from their subterranean power source. It was like some kind of audio feed from hell. I've... Live red. Oh, oh, sorry. Hey, I tell you what, let me, let me, let me I'll play, I'll, I'll play a patch. Here, did you ever notice how these things break off right here? Look at that. Terminated. Son of... Well, anyway. Anyway, that was my introduction to Aradam. And later that day, I fine-tuned the QFO and invented the trans-dimensional ocular globe so I could see the places I was hearing. Then I backed up some mind-boggling distance with no name, and there it was! The DNA strand. The dimensional spiral. I got a team together at the university, and we started homing in on world after world after world after world. But the two worlds we're covering tonight have become a special study for you and the university teams. Well, they're connected somehow. This Earth and Aradam vis-a-vis Farwan, you could see it as a golden thread. Something's going on in both worlds, and they evidently need each other to survive. You mean they're communicating? Uh, well, not directly. Earth's current culture is too young, at least this last phase of it. It's on a quarantine list in its own galaxy. Then how... I'm not sure. All I know is that things are bad in both places and getting worse. And if things don't straighten out... They're both heading for Armageddon, as the propaganda boys called it back in the war I was drafted into. What, oh, three, four wars back now? I can't keep track. This is PR. Ready for citizenship. Hello, hello. It's PR on PR on PR on your radio. Some people who haven't been civilized properly or socialized properly do save kitchen chemicals and lab chemicals to use as weapons. (sighs) We're all going to die. Well, I think we are all going to die, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but I think most of us, we're, we're going to die mm-hmm. cancer or heart disease or stroke or many of the disease. are ready for Kansas City. I often miss the more interesting, richer dynamics of this part of life. I hope you'll try to squeeze religion into categories of four and white, black and against. You're on your favorite PR to PR. It's PR. It doesn't sound like we're doing much better. Well, you know, I love that actor from Earth. You know, the one from that uh, Who's It show. He's got a big box. You know what I mean? Huh? Anyway, the whole spiral we're in is in some kind of astrological complication patch. It's those bad times you hear tell of from old coots like me. It's like a big old fat conjunctive past sine wave, and right now, we're all on that valley loop. Any sign of the next up phase? Well, I I love that. (laughs) You gotta get your fat pass up that really big hill before you can see the view from the top, don't you? And it'll be a lovely view. But then you've got to head back down off the mountain and back to reality. Well, that's the terrier hair of it, yuppers. 
stiff and wiry, but you know, you can't stop loving the dog for it. If you get the big picture once in your lifetime, you gotta count yourself blessed. Oh, no, now, now you've done it. Oh, for... Oh, that's... Oh, yeah, that stinks. Oh, hey. Hey, no more holy ham sandwiches for you two. Hey, oh, careful. Now, you just go get that big old Pliocene dragonfly net and start catching those floating cinder nodes or they'll burn holes right through the walls and everything else. Go on. Oh, gotta go, Katie. Wish you were here. <laughs> I wish I was too. <laughs> cinder nodes and all. Well, really can't be any worse than dealing with those nodes. <laughs> <laughs> See, I told you. We didn't need a skylight there. Oh, Lordy Day, there goes the fire system. Cover everything. Quick! K Katie, love you. Oh, you two are so grounded. Professor Thedgar Redlington, SQC Esquire, Quintocratic University, beleaguered dad, and quite likely the most brilliant mind of this generation, inventor of the QFO. Okay, well, well, they... <laughs> oh, sorry, they. There's that uh, mysterious group of people again. Uh, okay, well, I'm going to sound like one of those conspiracy nuts, okay? <laughs> Let's just call them the uh, moneymakers. Easier? Yes? They keep pitting us against each other, don't they? I mean, I hear good people, people with decent hearts, that I have barbecues with. But they chuck up some latest news item about some planet they've never been to, and suddenly it's those so-and-sos, they say. Uh, fill in the blank, enemy du jour here. The universe will be better off without them. It's PR news. It's violence. And it's but first. From PR News in Washington, I'm in control. The militant Islamist group Hamas are NBA champions again. Last night in Cleveland, they beat the Cleveland Cavaliers 83-82 to after six days of bloody combat against PR News. The Palestinian Prime Minister Mahmoud Abbas has dissolved in Brussels. He said earlier he's not willing to do that. In a letter released yesterday by the Senate Judiciary Committee, two Justice Department officials confirmed that PR's bad. PR's bad. She said this is PR News. Pop quiz. Question. Earth Entertainment Series, Max Headroom, and Firefly. What two very related factors did they have in common? So my point is, before we write off entire cultures, I think you have to sit down and, and break bread with the average working people under these regimes. And nine times out of seven, you'll find you have more in common than not. <laughs> Matter of fact, it's a pet theory of mine that the internationalization of cuisine is doing more to create eventual peace in the galaxy than almost any other factor. I mean, you know, it's hard to hate someone if you love their food. I want to share some of the brighter moments from this planet Earth. I think it supports the notion that up and down the spiral, all cultures we have come across have two things in common more than any others. Hope for a better future, 
against the odds. And humor, a sense of irony about life. So many times it's laugh or cry, and there's the connection. Humor gives us hope against the odds. Let us remember that in an era where people thought building bomb shelters would protect them from nuclear holocaust, this also was going on. I tell you, I tell you, Bergen, it, it, it is just ridiculous, you, you being in this youthful show. Oh, come now, Charlie. I'm not so old. I'll tell you now, let's be honest, Charlie. On my last birthday cake, there were 45 candles. Isn't that right? Well, they were on the piece I had, yeah. <laughs> you know, Gracie, I thought of something today that you will never remember. What? I still owe you three dollars. No, dear, it's eight dollars. I gave you ten the day we were married. <laughs> hey, I've got a wonderful idea. Harry, you dress up like the Swami and tell Gracie not to divorce George. What? Look, all you have to do is wear a turban and a beard and a long robe. A man would be an idiot to dress up like that. They really put us in a beautiful theater for our first show on television. That's what I was going to say, Lou. This is one of the most gorgeous theaters I've ever been in, Abbott. One of the finest theaters. You get that beautiful wall over there. Marvelous. Isn't that a nice wall? It is really. Do you know what that wall reminds me of? What? This one over here. I, oh, stop. <laughs> wall is a wall. Take your fingers out of your mouth. You want to poison yourself? Yeah. What makes you so dumb? It just comes to me naturally. That's what I thought. <laughs> Didn't you ever go to school, stupid? Yes, sir, and come out the same way. Well, that I know. <laughs> and here he is. The one, the only... Never heard of him. Oh, that's me. I have a pair of Rhodesian Ridgebacks. <laughs> well, if you keep your mouth shut, nobody will notice it. <laughs> Guess what is a Rhodesian Ridgeback? Uh, it's a lion dog. A what? A lion dog. Well, I'm a lion dog myself. <laughs> He's got more a hop in him than hop along for me. Black snap molasses and the weekend bread. Nature is the long you wish you were dead. You add some yogurt and you'll be well fed. With the black snap molasses and the weekend bread. <laughs> And now, your answer to the pop quiz. Earth Entertainment Series, Max Headroom, and Firefly. What two very related factors did they have in common? What, 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 what's the an answer? Intelligence and cancellation. We wrap up tonight with a ray of hope. A recreation featuring Grendon Thales of one of the most inspiring moments in Farwanese history. The moments that make all this worthwhile. Well, that's the whole point, isn't it? All of life is a spiral. Literally. And so we have this burning desire to ascend and ascend. And sometimes we use that against ourselves. And sometimes it brings us closest to that great mind spirit, whatever you choose to call it, arose by any other name. You have these moments of beauty and brilliance against all that pain, and it just makes it the sweeter. Okay, um, let's see. Yeah, so where is the spiral going? Well, well evidently, the further down you go, the more frightening and primitive the dimensionalities get. I guess that's the, uh, the primal core. Oh, 
You must need something from that. Maybe it's the uh, survival instinct. I, but uh, the further up you go, the, the purer things become. Oh, and uh, the problems become more complex, too. That's clear. Very complex. Uh, life isn't about sitting still. To life and all it brings. This has been Katara Collins. Thank you for being with us tonight. We leave you with a great historical event of Farwan, presented as a children's story by the Encerne Art Ensemble. A look at what could be in our future should we allow ourselves to get there. The Laughter of the Evening It was a clear blue twilight, the kind of crisp autumnal evening when everything stands out in crystalline relief. In all the three continents of Farwan, there was no place quite like Lake Jonanon at this time of year. There was a scent like amber leaves, auburn spices, and icy waterfalls. The gondolas of the mangrove harvesters cut clear wakes in the towering reflections of the trees as they headed for home. This is truly a great and the otherwise still lake waters were the purest of azure blue, just beginning to reflect the pulsing stars glimmering overhead. Light another lantern, will you, Fabrus? Asked the wife of his host. The high one there? I left the lighting stick on the front porch. Ania never thought twice about asking the famed Darewaitha to do this or that. And her husband, Jal, chuckled to himself, <laughs> shaking his head. This was Faberus. Faberus Berendon, the most renowned Darewaitha in all of Far One who could light the entire sky with rippling auroras or show entire villages eon-spinning vistas of the Age of Serenity. And she asked him to light lanterns. Faberus caught his friend's slight dismay. You know I don't mind. And without so much as glancing up, the lantern was suddenly merrily burning, casting a rich amber glow from the cottage peak down over the balcony pier. Of course he doesn't mind, said Anir with a laugh. Not when I'm making him his favorite dinner while you two lays out here on the deck. And she bustled back inside. We're so happy to have you here for the harvest, Faberus. Joel smiled at his old friend, studying him with concern. It had been years since they had had the chance to catch up. Strange things had been happening back east, and Berendon looked a little tired. The cares of the world were beginning to show, and Faberus clearly welcomed his moment to relish a simpler life. They settled back in sloping chairs and surveyed the pristine evening. The harvesters had all docked now, and all along the circle of the lake fading into the distance, Lanterns were lighting along the pierside porches of the homes along the shore. <laughs> Several children were playing down by the water, delightedly laughing at the antics of a family of squanchlings, rooting for lake berries at the water's edge. <laughs> Ania bustled back out with a tray of appetizers and drinks and settled into a third chair. A pale green satellite was just rising over the mangrove, embossing the trees in jade, adding its reflection to the darkling lake. The planet of peace, murmured Anir. This is my favorite season here. 
The laughter of the children curled up from below. Mother Squanchling, a little put out by the children's persistent attention, had launched herself indignantly into the lake. Twelve little ones following, bobbing and squonking in a convoy towards a patch of floating lake berries. <laughs> My, I wish I could bottle that sound, said Anir, as the children's hilarity made them all grin. Faberis tilted his head to one side. Clearly a thought had struck him. He stood suddenly and looked down from the pier. Maybe that can be arranged, he said cryptically. He stretched out one hand, and light began to glow around it. A look of intense concentration knitted his brow, but his eyes were full of mirth. Then, as the children laughed below, it was as though their breath was turning into a blue mist, the same azure as the last line of twilight on the horizon. One by one, the children grew silent. As that mist rose above their heads and began to coalesce into a shimmering cloud, brighter and brighter it grew. All up and down the lake now, everybody sitting out on their balconies felt a joy rising in their hearts as the light grew stronger, the joy grew with it. Now it was spiraling, spinning, twisting like a comet. And in a huge arc, it suddenly flew towards the waiting Darewather. Stretching out his left hand, a crystalline orb appeared in it, and with a blinding flash, the comet of light streaked into the globe. It coruscated once, brightly. The globe radiated. White streaks of light pinwheeled around it. Favorous, what have you done? Asked Joel with awe. I've turned the children's laughter into light. And he grinned and handed the orb to Anir, who held it as if it were the most fragile thing in the universe. It's the laughter of the evening. My gift to you for inviting me here on this most perfect of evenings. This is too beautiful a thing for only me, exclaimed Anir. Oh, of all the beautiful things you have created, Faberus, this must be the most sublime. You must make this a gift to everyone. Faberus laughed. <laughs> My dearest Anir, you were right, as always. I will teach other darewathers how to create this light. And all a far one shall share this joy. But you shall keep the first. And with a gesture, the orb disappeared from Anir's hand. And suddenly, the lantern above their heads vanished. The orb appeared in its place, casting the light that was made of children's joy down on their upturned faces. As Anir beamed and squeezed Berendon's hand in a heartfelt thank you for his gift to her, and to all of Farwan. This has been a transdimensional media production of Nirvana and Gehenna. Life in alternate dimensions. Channel-banded galaxy-wide by QBS. TM would like to thank the following people and institutions for their generous contributions to this project. John Barber, Washington State University of Earth, for the inspiration to produce this program. Nowell Info and technical support. Our cast included Jody Lorimer as Katara Collins, 
David Mayer as the Vossenbinder newscaster, Sam A. Mowry as Brendan Thales, Eric Newsom as the QBS title announcer, Jan Powell as Mahudeen Anna Norova, and Mark Rose as Professor Thedgar Redlington and the Keycard, the QBS archivist. Clips included the talents of Greg Alexander, Linda Gertz, David Loftus, Mark Loring, Sam A. Mowry, Eric Newsom, Chris Porter, Mary Thomas, and Susan Zeitlin. Special thanks to Mr. Fernande Nende Limer for the open archiving of the brilliant PR news of the world. Praise Bob. Also to archive.org for keeping very recent but increasingly forgotten audio and video history available to the public. For visuals of both the dry smoke and far wand dimensionalities, visit drysmoke.com. And on Vimeo, search The Golden Age of Farwan for a short film animation from which the soundtrack was taken. Nirvana and Gehenna was produced by Mark Rose and written by Gerald T. McQuinn for Transdimensional Media. You're listening to QBS, now reassigning to Crossband 8000. Well, I hope you sincerely uh, enjoyed that multidimensional journey on that particular piece, Nirvana and Gehenna. And uh, again, I just want to say some very talented folks helped there, and uh, I thank them again for their uh, support in that production, which really honestly could not have been done without them. Um, it's an amazing community out here, and I'm thrilled, delighted, and honored to be part of it. So again, you know, my thanks to the multitudes there. And anyone wanting uh, additional information on dry smoke and whispers should go to drysmoke.com and... Uh, Click around a bit. There's a lot of little hidden things everywhere, and you'll uh, you'll learn a lot about that show and also um, the cast members and all that good stuff. Um, we have not updated that thing in quite a while, but it's all still valid, so um, might be worth a uh, a peek. And if you would actually like to see the um, animatic that uh, the Golden Age of Farwan soundtrack is from, you can go to Vimeo. Just search for the golden age of Farwan, but I'll have all of that in the, the show notes here too, so you can just do one click. It'll be fun. So thank you for joining me on this interdimensional journey this time on Fusebox. I have been your host, Mark Rose, and I look forward to being here next time. We're going to, I don't know what kind of exotic animal we'll pull out of the box, but uh, we will. And uh, again, thank you for pushing play on this, and uh, until our next cartoon. <laughs>